You've found the podcast where driving matters. Whether you haul, commute, or cruise, we want you to love what you drive. We're here to help you find usability and fun. From first-time buyers to jaded experts, we believe everyone is one great car away from being car-obsessed. I'm Paul. I'm Todd. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. Hey, we're back. It's Tuesday, and, you know, car stuff is happening. But between our last podcast and this podcast, all of the official stuff and 8,000 videos and people clawing for footage of it, of the GR Corolla, it's all out. It's out there, except for price. We know everything else. It is all the stuff we thought of and more. It's very exciting, actually. D, there's even a circuit edition limited to 1,500 units? That looks exciting. It's going to cost Just even more. Get one period is pretty yeah, much where no we're kidding. headed. Yeah, there's a lot of people. A lot of people are excited about it. Uh, a couple of people on our 86 videos are like, don't you think the GR Corolla makes this irrelevant? I was like, no. Not at all. Not any more than the Macan, which is Porsche's bestseller, makes the 911 irrelevant. These are not the same beast. Well, we mused about a GR Corolla or something equivalent way back when mm-hmm. we drove the electric blue Corolla hatch yep. XSE and yep. thought... This is lukewarmish. This uh-huh. is nice and all, but man, wouldn't it be great? Dot dot dot. Isn't it funny that that's exactly where they went? And I have to go right here. Matthew Dirks asked this question, and it's very relevant to this top uh, top of the podcast. He said, "Do automakers limit production offerings to avoid cross competing with other automakers? I.e., the GR Corolla is coming out now that WRX sedan does not exist. No, they do not. Yeah, no. Every automaker on the planet would love to be in Toyota's position with this GR Corolla, which which is they are the offering." Who else is offering an all-wheel drive, crazy hot hatch hatchback? Who else is offering that? Nobody. Even Subaru's getting out of the game. Subaru probably partied quietly when the the Evo stopped getting made. Right, But the RS was still around. And maybe you're cross-shopping with the Golf R, maybe you're not. But here comes Toyota with this car, and who's the competition? Kind of nobody. Well, I suppose Renault and the you know the manufacturers sure. in Europe with their hot hatchiness and their contest around the ring they always have to be the fastest front wheel drive car around the ring, kind of thing. But still, this is going to be amazing. It's exciting. We want to drive it for sure. So thrilled. We now have an auto parts partnership with CarParts.com. CarParts.com is the smarter way to shop for auto parts. Their fast, mobile friendly experience makes it easy to shop for the parts you need when you need them. Just enter the year, make, and model of your vehicle, start shopping, and start saving. It really is that simple. CarParts.com stocks their own inventory, cutting out the middleman and passing the savings on to you, and they're offering even more savings for our audience. Whether you've been in a collision, working on your project car, or need to catch up on maintenance, visit CarParts.com slash EverydayDriver for 10% off of $100 or more on select brands. Get the right parts right now at CarParts.com. I've been thinking about the market, about car design lately. Uh-oh. I'm thinking about electric cars some you, more. You do these things, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You just ponder design. I don't sit around and ponder design. I see design. I would comment on design. I don't ponder design. I ponder design. I ponder story. This is how you and I are fundamentally you do, different. Yes. Indeed. But I've decided that electric cars are skill morphs. Okay. My question to the audience is, will they ever be beautiful? Mm. And from dictionary.com comes the definition of skewermorph, which is an ornament or design or an object copied from a form of the object when made from another material or by other techniques as an imitation metal rivet found on the handles of prehistoric pottery. It's almost there, but not quite. And you'll, you'll understand what I mean here. My question is, will the general public accept electric cars that don't look like they've looked like before? They don't look like anything mm. they've looked like. Mm. And at what point do we throw out car designs previously considered to be beautiful 
Hmm. and then accept strangely shaped yet interesting cars just because they're electric. So it doesn't necessarily look like any car you've seen before, but it works because it's electric, so who cares? Right. Or does it have to look like a car to us? Skeuomorph is almost the right word, but here's my examples. DSLR cameras. Yes. They don't use film, Mm -hmm. but the entire architecture of the digital camera is based on film speed and exposure and shutter speed. The way you interact with it is it like an old film camera. That's a great point, yeah. Why does your iPhone have a shutter sound, a fake shutter sound? Yeah, it doesn't need one. No shutter. Yeah, and the icon for it looks like a classic camera. Well, we've talked about the save icon in most Microsoft products. (laughs) It's the image of a 3.5-inch floppy disk, which Uh was the original. But to many young people, it's my understanding the visual language resembles a vending machine with a beverage dispensed. Oh, interesting. See, like a espresso, a cup of coffee. That's funny. The motion of rolling down your car window was originally dictated by hand window cranks. Uh, All of you listening, if you walked up to somebody and you wanted to get them to roll down their car window, what motion would you make? You'd make a circle (laughs) in the air. You wouldn't do the little finger making a point. You wouldn't point. (laughs) You'd roll down the window, and they would know. They would know. When's the last time you rolled down a window on anything? I actually can't remember. Yeah. Probably the last one you did was one in your house that has the crank. That's probably (laughs) Probably. the closest you got. Yeah. Well, you know me. I'm list guy. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. And this is the list. Instagram uses a vintage camera in its logo. True. The iPhone uses an image of the old beehive microphone for voice input and an analog tape as the voicemail icon. (laughs) You're right. The reel-to-reel tape. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And if you see in your browser an old padlock, it's a golden padlock, Uh that means security. You're right. Envelopes are the icon for email. (laughs) Something you don't have to send in an envelope (laughs) comes in an envelope. That's a good point. Well, Gmail still lingers with their Gmail uh, Icon is still looks a little bit like an envelope. Yeah, still an envelope. Yep. And well, speaking of email, when you CC somebody, you mean actually carbon copy, mm-hmm. which comes from the old practice of placing a piece of carbon between sheets of paper and a typewriter to create multiple copies. Yes. Most people, I don't think, really realize CC. It comes from carbon copy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're going to tweet something, you click the image of a feather pen. I need to write. Let me grab my my pen <laughs> real quick. Yeah. The mobile phone apps use an image of an old phone handset. They're ba- the new yeah, thing is based right. on the old idea, the old way it works. The thing we visually recognize as that thing is now still looks like that, even though it has nothing to do with what we're talking about. Exactly. The cut icon uses a picture of scissors. The documents you put in the recycle bin are not actually recycled. <laughs> but they make a fun trash can sound, too, to your point. There's yes. the audio version. It, it, it sounds like something hitting a trash can. Okay. Yep. Fine. The battery symbol on your phone looks like one of those old D size batteries. When was the last time you bought size D batteries? Kids' toys. I guess inexplicably so. okay, right, there are right. still that, but that's been years ago. Make them when, when make my so heavy. When my son was a toddler, you'd open up the bottom of some toy and be like, "What kind of batteries are those?" What it's goes asking here? for logs. I mean, and then of course, <laughs> what happens is there was actually a year. Logs. There was actually a year. It was Christmas Eve when my parents and my in-laws were all over and we were doing that thing while Bodie was asleep where we were building the toys. Okay. And it was like 1030 oh or 11 gosh. o'clock and I were put, we're constructing the thing out of the box so it can be there in the morning when he comes down the stairs, right? Doing the whole parental okay. thing. <laughs> and we turn it over and we realize this takes D batteries. 1030 at night on oh. Christmas Eve. Oh my gosh. So my father, bless him, went out for the next hour to find some store that was open and had D batteries. Was he successful? He got back at like 11.15 with a box of D batteries that weighed, you know, as much as a barbell. So we could put <laughs> batteries in the bottom of a kid's toy. It was ridiculous. 
Yeah. Unbelievable. Okay, how about the waiting icon? It's an egg timer. Mm-hmm. Video editing icons use film strips. Mm-hmm. And the experience your son had with Star Wars, the first interaction, did Angry Birds Star Wars characters precede real Star Wars? He's like, oh, this is like Angry Birds. No, son. <laughs> this is, the Angry Birds was after that. Oh, yeah. And when you buy an electric car, it will look like it has a gas engine in it. But here's my counterpoint, though. This is why you don't like Canoe. Because it doesn't look like other cars. Canoe now, proves my point in a bad way. Granted, it doesn't look good, but it doesn't look like any other car. It's, just, it's, it's like a Tylenol on wheels. <laughs> it is. Yeah, I'm going to need one when I look at them. But the problem here is the skateboard platform. Okay. But first of all, demand for EVs is increasing, not because they're beautiful. Mm-hmm. And electric cars don't have to look like gasoline-powered cars, but they'll continue to do so. So my question is, is the age of beautiful cars behind us? Or is this an opportunity, and I think this is, Mm. to create beautiful shapes again? Because you have so much more packaging space to work with, designers. But again, the problem is the skateboard platform. And I've been investigating this as we've recently driven the Audi e-tron GT and the Mercedes EQS 450 Plus. Those test drive videos are both up and playing on test drive. Yep. My entire headspace is what are these like to drive? Because every electric car, SUV, car, doesn't matter, Mm -hmm. is using this batteries in the floor, call it what you want, kind of skateboard Mm -hmm. platform. And I'm hunting for a different driving experience. I'm out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I almost don't care about anything else in the car. I don't care about the tech. I don't care about the style. Do they drive differently? Mm -hmm. Because if they do, and I have found differences, good news, everybody. Yeah. I am pleased to be wrong and on most counts here because the differentiating factor is up to that car company to position the car. Here's how we want it. It's more sporty. And so we're going to do things and how it handles its weight. Yeah. But for the most part, they drive evenly and will continue to drive evenly yeah. because of even weight distribution. And like you said, canoe proves my point in a bad way, but here we go. The Hyundai Ioniq five or Kia EV six you look at these cars and they could easily have a gasoline engine in them. They have the form factor for it, sure, yeah. Polestar kind of looks like a futuristic, uh, I guess that's electric and okay, and it mm-hmm. looks like a car. Dodge, what is the future of this muscle car brand? Guarantee it's more cars that look like muscle cars. Doesn't matter True. what kind of powertrains come in them. Yeah, they're not going to come out with something that looks completely revolutionary and nothing like a muscle car. We're back to the Tesla nap, by the way. But but this brings up the Cybertruck because the the, the, yeah. the good and bad of the Cybertruck is that it looks like nothing else on the road. True. But it also doesn't look like reality as a result. I mean, that's the weird – you can push it too far and break it. You know what I mean? Because the yeah. Cybertruck yeah. looks like something off a movie set. It doesn't look like something that should be on the road. It's a good point. It's a good point. But you could easily drop a V8 in that thing. And I guarantee you, if True. it comes out, people will try. Just Somebody's to going to just for the, the, for the YouTube views. They're going to drop. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> let's make a build and let's uh-huh. put a gasoline engine in that thing. Yeah. Go put a big old V12 in the, in the bed. <laughs> Suppose yeah. you can. There's just you and a Sawzall and a bunch of time. Yeah, you can <laughs> cut a hole. But I'm wondering about what the future of cars looks like. If you're depressed about the future of where cars are going, stylistically speaking. Yes, there needs to be sheet metal and crash protection in front of the occupants. Yes. yes. So there needs to be somewhat of a hood. But driving that Mercedes EQS just made me think differently. 
Okay. And it hasn't been Tesla because Tesla's, because they were kind of first, mm-hmm. not really, but you know what I mean. They were yeah. first as far as wide market acceptance uh, and anybody, recognition. Anybody's really recognized. You don't have yeah, to be a car sure. person to know what Teslas are. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. yes. They look like cars. They look like a one or two or three yeah. box shape. Sure, sure. That looks like a car. So it's very relatable. Mm-hmm. And so even though cars need to be relatable in terms of propor- proportions and how that affects your outlook towards them, I think we've got a wonderful, glorious future of a mix of both between mm-hmm. gas and electric engines, yeah. but new stylistic ground can be approached. That EQS is doing that. Whether you like it or not, it doesn't mm-hmm. matter, but it's certainly showing that it's get, gaining better aerodynamics yeah. Yeah, yeah. and new style can be tried. Mm-hmm. Again, I mean, what if you didn't have to have crash protection? Yeah. I mean, the canoe is essentially just a glass front. Good job. <laughs> it's, a, it's a Tylenol, yes. It's just a pill. You're right. Mm-hmm. It's just, it could be the nose cone of a B-29 bomber. It of could be the gunner turret Yes, of course it could front. be. front. I, I want somebody to paint one like that. Now I might think the canoe is cool. <laughs> paint it up like a B-29. <laughs> exactly. Put a couple fake guns out Please of the front. Please retrofit one. Yeah, drive that around. People Sheesh. will pay attention. Yeah. The crash protection is minimal. This got a zero on the NHTSA <laughs> crash protection standards. <laughs> well, you know what, what's dawning on me as we're talking about this is the look of the Lucid. Okay. Because the Lucid okay. looks like a car, but it doesn't look like any kind of normal car. It's a good point. And yeah. while it does have enough of a hood that theoretically you could imagine an engine under there, it's pretty far out styling for anything that's not different somehow. Okay. And that's a good job. The EQS does it too. I don't really like the EQS. I think the Lucid looks interesting. But the Lucid is this weird, uh, every time I see it, I think it looks good. But it's this weird mix between what sedans have looked like, what SUVs have looked like, and now different than both, but both merged. It, it mm-hmm, kind of mm-hmm. looks like an SUV. It kind of looks like a sedan, but it also looks like neither. And it looks different and it stands out. It is interesting to think about completely rethinking styling because I'll give you one in the, the internal combustion era. Okay. The new 400Z, the Z car, looks like it does because it has to be on the build points of what were the 350 and the 370. So they couldn't clean sheet think it as much as I wanted them to. Right. What you're talking about is with electric cars, clean sheet can be thought about. Absolutely. Restart of I have people. And movement, which is why we've joked about the Tesla nap. The big, it's going to look like the old wedge or the old Bertoni wedge. It's going to look like that. Yes. That'd be awesome. Just the big Bertoni wedge. It's an all electric. Why doesn't somebody do that? You'll we'll save lay down. money on glass because you don't have to install windows anymore. <laughs> It'll just be all autonomous and screens inside and this cocoon of experience and scent and the liquid. The cocoon and, of experience. You know, Welcome to Mercedes. Is. Is gonna, gonna, I'm just letting you know. Paul said it first, but somebody is going to, to trademark the cocoon of experience for their car, and I'm just saying, yeah. you heard it here first. See, they're halfway there already, but I am in, very encouraged after continuing, like I said, to drive cars because given these new parameters, mm-hmm. it is rare for design teams or at any level yeah. to be handed fresh blue sky kind of thinking and say, people, and it needs to move. Mm-hmm. Start sketching. You're right. Go. You're right. That's a great point. So what will they do? They'll run home to mama. They'll start drawing car shapes. Traditional. Mm. Well, that's got a hood on it. Do we need a hood? Okay. Yes, because of crash protection and storage. But what if we pushed it further? What if it sloped and dropped off like that EQS? Mm. What if we asked questions about ourselves? That's why I liked what Rich Shear and his Hummer design team were doing. Yes, it looks like a Hummer. Yes, yes. it's big and yes. it has that 
you know, in the, the truck shades. Yeah. But I love that they were asking questions, kind of dumb ones of mm. themselves. Mm. Does it have to do that? We have mm. a fresh blue sky thinking. No, we're not encumbered by any prior platform. We don't have to meet hard points. The base mm-hmm. of the windshield doesn't mm-hmm. have to come to here. The wheelbase is not set. We can do anything we want. Now, because it's a Hummer, it has to relate and it has to sell and look like the prior Hummer brand. Yeah. That was the single thing mm-hmm. holding them to the Hummer look. Sure. What if Hummer brand didn't exist prior to this? True. Yeah. 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 This, we, we can do whatever we want. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's just wheels that are, you know, 15 feet apart and you know, it's just this weird looking <laughs> thing. Okay. But then would people accept it? No, they wouldn't because it looks so strange, mm-hmm. but we're encumbered mm-hmm. and have this thing in our minds that the hood needs to enclose a inline eight, inline six V 16, the long sure, hoods sure. from the thirties. Sure, yeah. Yeah. That's why there's sheet metal over the top of it because we just covered it up and hid it from view. Mm-hmm. That's why they look like they do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then in the late 20s, early 30s is when style came about. For the most part, they were just mm-hmm. putting sheet metal over the top of the mechanical components and calling it a day. And a cab. They'll make it look like a wagon. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Here's a chariot. Here's mm-hmm. a, yep, you know, a sure. wagon. And then, well, the wheels need to be enclosed because they're throwing mud up under the passengers. Hmm. Maybe we'll put a shape and we'll hand form it out of metal and we'll just cover up the top of the wheel like <laughs> like a motorcycle. So we've got yeah, cycle yeah, fenders yeah. on these cars. And then over time it's evolved, but that's where things have come from. Mm. And for everything else that I listed, we're almost stuck in the old ways, especially cameras, since you and I use cameras so much. Yeah, yeah. Why does it need to make a sound? When I push True. the button, it doesn't True. need to make a cuck-a-junk. You're sound, right. yeah, film, yeah. you know, a mechanical sound. It doesn't. Yeah. So if cameras don't need to use shutter speed, exposure, film speed to create the image, but that's where we're coming from. That's all we that's know. Our, that's our language for it. If I yeah. told you to design a camera and throw out those parameters, how would you adjust the image quality? That's a great point. Uh, well, this, starting this, at blue sky. What you're talking about is the, the, the huge seismic shift that happened in the film industry on editing. Okay. okay? Because... There was a, I'm going to get the name wrong. I think it was called Lightworks. The first digital editing program okay. that was first shopped to cinematic editors. Now, cinematic editors used to have the, the, all of the reels actually hanging in front of you. You can't see me using my hands, but the reels hanging in front of them. Okay. And they, you had an editing table, essentially, and they ran through a splicer in front of you. Okay. And you had yeah. specific hand yeah. controls, and these reels came down, and they went through uh, all of the little toggles, and it went through a splicer in front of you, and you could play the image in front of you. You could project it really small, and then you would stop it, pull that out of your editing table, and actually cut the film and splice it to the other reel on the other side. And this is how you'd make edits, and it took forever. And the whole assistant editor's job, I'm not kidding, was keeping track of individual frames that had been chopped out of this part and this part, and it was You're madness. kidding me. No, not at all. So you had your, your editor's table, and they had certain kinds of hand controls that had been built over decades to, to move the footage forward and to move it back. And they were like, you know, it's kind of like hanging on. It's going to sound weird. Kind of like hanging on to a coaster handle and spinning it. Mm-hmm. Kinda, that's kind of how they worked, okay? Mm-hmm. So uh, almost like hanging on the top of like a big water bottle handle, very, very much what it was like. When the first digital editing program came out, I believe it was called Lightworks, it had the same interaction, you were on a computer doing your editing, hmm. but the interactions were the same hand interactions. I guess that's how to get people because to make the jump. Because that's how those guys made the jump because that was the same to the DSLR. It's how they made the jump. And then when Avid came along, which was the first widely introduced and widely that's accepted right. digital editing program, 
Avid is really strange if you've come from Final Cut or Premiere because Avid uses all of the terms and icons of those old flatbed editors are now being used in the program. Really? So Avid has a language closer to traditional editing than Final Cut or Premiere or Resolve or anything else like that. Final Cut was so revolutionary because it came along and threw all of that out and created a digital editorial system that just, we need to cut things, we need to splice things, we need to paste things, all of the icons can be brand new. Okay. And now that kind of thinking is what you see in the other editorial programs. But what you're talking about is transferring skill set, and that's why cameras look like they do. So it's interesting, as we as drivers, we have to transfer our skill set, our interaction preferences, if you will, to a new car. Yeah. Once we get to this drives itself, then it really does become just whatever. But at that point, there will be a separation between cars that drive themselves, and we'll accept them as such. Yeah. They'll be the pods, yeah. mm-hmm. the cocoon of The Tylenols. You did a good job on that. I got, it, I got it right here. It's the cocoon, it's the cocoon of experience, buddy. Experience. That's I'm right. I'm putting a TM on it right now. I mean, Mercedes is already doing the scent uh-huh. in, in the cars. But then there will be the driver's cars. When we say we're looking down the nose of a car, this long hood experience like an old Corvette, that has a certain feel of course it. it does, yes. But that's based on architecture because the engine's in front of you and mm-hmm. you have to have room for your feet yep. and the suspension and the steering knuckles. And we just kind of packaged it all together and drew a pretty shape around it. Yep. It's striking me more and more that this, if I gave you a vehicle mm-hmm. that did everything a pickup truck could do okay. and the skin was the battery and it was made of such material as the the crash protection. Mm-hmm. We don't need to have giant beams in the front and it, it could protect the occupants with more minimal materials. You know, we're talking in the future tech guy. I love, the, you know, mm-hmm. think about this stuff. And not only was the skin, the battery, but it was also, you know, just a giant solar panel. It could change colors and it <laughs> displayed a digital readout. Whole thing's covered in the, that, that rhino liner stuff. Yeah. <laughs> right. And it did all the things a truck could do, but it looked nothing like a pickup truck. Nobody buy it. Mm. Doesn't like it. Look like a pickup truck. That's sure. not, it's not a truck. It doesn't fit the image that I've got in my mind, and therefore it's not accepted. And this also plays into when we see a car and live with a car for a little while, and we live with the styling a little bit more, and we see it in person, and that spatial distance between you and an object, yeah, yeah, yeah. then you start to like it more or hate it more, conversely. <laughs> Either happens, yes. That's why pictures can't ever do anything justice. But I think about the future of cars, and I'm encouraged because of where tech is going mm. and because of the separation, I do see a separation coming between electric cars, the autonomous ones, mm. and the driver's cars. And I see companies still embracing this. I, I'm hopeful. I'm glass half full over here. I hope so, too. Yeah, that'd be cool. And those driver's cars may look traditional. Mm-hmm. They may look a certain way. But to all the car manufacturers, you all don't have to do skateboards. There's some differentiation now, but I can feel a lot of similarities, too. Yeah. Why do the batteries have to be in the floor? Let's start asking questions of ourselves as designers and then enthusiasts. Why, why do, does it have to be the, well, okay, the business decision and it was the factory's already set up that way and we can plop everybody we want canoe on it <laughs> and we're already going in that direction. Fine. But the batteries could be a lump. They could be different. And I think Love Porsche it. played with that. I think yeah, Lotus they, they played with that. Folks with. are playing with the fact that that does create certain kinds of dynamics. I mean, this brings up the question. Will Porsche make a 911 with more weight in the rear? 
an electric 911 yes with more weight in the rear I because so. you would think they so. would because that is their magic. That yes. car on track and at the limit does not feel like anything else because it has the weight in the back. What if the entire back end is just batteries and battery cooling? You're, you're right. You're going to get into conversations now where instead of us managing the weight, which is what's been car designed to this point, it's going to be deciding where the weight goes. For sure, but deciding and, and where the weight goes in current cars has entirely evolved the skills of driving and how performance sure, yeah. driving is taught. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now that there's platform-based electric cars, you can take corners and do things differently than you ever had. Sure. And it's so neutral. It's so flat and neutral. Mm-hmm. But there's no feeling in that. There's there's very little. It, it's made it much more bland, yes. This is a topic Tuesday because we could argue this for hours. We could discuss this for hours. But I want to bring and it up because... Here's the answer. Wait, no, that's not right. right. There's never an answer. But I'm always thinking about the future of where cars are going, but more importantly, our acceptance of them and what mm, constitutes mm. a fun driver's car. Because that's what we're doing is... Sure, yeah. Like Haggerty, we're saving driving. We, we love that slogan from McKeel Haggerty. Yeah. We've talked about it a lot, but... We want to do the same things and you know choose cars for people that are enthusiast-based cars. And when the future happens, when things are put upon us, you know, new designs, yeah, okay, so there it is, fine. It's bad for these reasons, but it's good for these. And I think car manufacturers, once they get past the five-seat electric thing to serve all the people, will then finally decide, well, maybe we keep gas engines around because... Or maybe, just we, like them. or maybe we just play with our designs, too, and we do something that, that has a feel mm-hmm. versus just the skateboard idea. Let's hope so. Some more like thoughts from Paul. But, uh, you know, it's always ongoing. So Absolutely. If you've got a topic Tuesday, write to us, everydaydrivertv at gmail.com, along with your car conclusions and most of all your car debates. I want to remind you guys of DriveShare from our friends at Haggerty. DriveShare is a car-sharing community that connects renters with the owners of cool cars. We're talking vehicles that elevate any occasion, like a wedding, or a special celebration, or even a vacation. Or you can just enjoy a dream ride, a car you've always wanted to drive. That's why I put my Lotus Elise on DriveShare, and many people have loved driving it. List your car to earn some extra money knowing you're covered by exceptional insurance and roadside service. Owners and renters can both rest easy and enjoy the ride. Visit driveshare.com or download the app to rent or list a ride today. Tom L. writes to us. He's in California. He's asking not only for a car for his dad, but a car to match his dad's garage. Mm-hmm. I don't think we've ever covered this before. <laughs> Sorry, I have to read this email to understand what you're talking about. I don't get it, but okay. Well, Tom has the disease, but his dad, hello, dad, fortunately or unfortunately, does not. But what's weird about his story with his dad is when I read that sentence, I was like, so your dad has a nice house, nice garage based on the title, and your dad has owned a string of bland, nothing cars. But that's not the case. That's true. His dad, who isn't a car person, has owned a 69 Camaro Z28 he had in college. Since kids, he's had a 94 Camaro V6 convertible, the 09 Challenger V6, the 2012 Jaguar XK V8 convertible, and most recently he sold a 2016 F-Type V6. So you like big muscle car feeling things. They've all been automatics. He has liked them but not loved any of them. So I think what you're finding here, Tom, is not that your dad's not a car guy. He's intrigued by cars, but he's never found anything he's loved. That's a different thing. Mm. I I expected boring cars on this list. Those aren't boring cars. Yeah, true. True. Well, Tom's dad has a black and white checkered floor in his garage and takes pride in what he drives, but he just doesn't really know what's right for him. Mm. 
One big thing is that he doesn't like seeing cars like his, hmm. like Todd Bodie. Yeah, my son. son. Every time we show up at a Cars and Coffee, he's more than one of the least. He's like, oh, man. He is so (laughs) excited to take the GR86 to a Cars and Coffee because he knows it's bound to be the only one. Certainly the only one with gold wheels. He's like, we need to take that car. He loves the Z car for this reason. He's like, well, look, look, we bought something old. There won't be another one. That that (laughs) makes his day. Okay. Well, Tom's dad likes to be the only car in the lot at the grocery store, but he doesn't need it to be flashy. All right. Fair enough. Volkswagen thing. Thanks for writing in. <laughs> right. You are the only one, sir. <laughs> My gosh. What is that thing? It's a thing. Yeah, Volkswagen what? thing, and we're going home. Tom's dad is more of a muscle car type than the sports car type, but daily triples are more important to him than lateral Gs. Okay, I see right. it. Yep. He's also come to appreciate higher quality interiors in his recent cars much more than he did in his Camaro and Challenger days. Mm. He appreciates a V8 cold start. And the sound, nothing too obnoxious, he says, but even the V6F type was not enough to pass his personal sound test. That's interesting. Okay. All right. That sounds really good. He's a sucker for convertibles, but not a must. And to Tom, the perfect thing for his dad would be a semi-luxurious modern V8 GT car, but he can't find one that tickles his fancy. Interesting. I have options. Don't you worry. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. The other thing he says about his dad is that he feels like, hi, dad, by the way, you're getting talked about a lot, the third person, but welcome to the conversation. He said it feels like his dad's problem is that his dad is about the deal. Okay. He's not afraid to buy new, but he's got got to just get a deal on something. I can't believe (laughs) I got this. So he has a hard time spending more for performance or luxury, even though Tom has said, look, if you go a little higher, you'd get more. But dad wants the deal. So the budget right now is about $45,000. He's limiting Paul at $55,000. This is interesting because I feel like that price point, to your point, Tom, is at a breaking point. Hmm. Tom, you keep saying you wish your dad would go just a little bit up in trim and in price. And I think forty-five to fifty-five grand is a weird middle ground of budgets. It's a good budget, but it's a real weird middle ground of budgets where if you go up just a little bit more, the options just are everywhere. You go down a little bit more, you've stepped down, but man, there's options. This is a weird middle ground. Tom's thoughts are maybe a current-gen Mustang GT or a Camaro SS or something AMG, which is going to be hard at that budget. His dad is somewhat intrigued by the C7 Corvette, but the budget seems a little hard for that. C6 is an option, too, but where's the tech? That's an old car. This is hard. (laughs) Tom's dad has little or no interest in anything from Germany. What? Hmm. Porsches? Except AMG GTs or Audi R8s, which are way out of budget, even though Tom personally thinks there's a lot of options from Europe that would work for him. Hmm. I'm about to suggest them, and no, (laughs) none of my suggestions will... They're kind of at the top end of the budget, but good no. for you. All right, I, I've decided, Tom, that you're the more you spend, the more it's going to touch on your dad's liking of not seeing other cars, his preference to not see other cars. It creates spent that more, world. You're right, right. absolutely. Yep. But if you spent less, well, certainly you've spent less, and I I do acknowledge your choices here: Mustang GT, the Camaro SS, all those kinds of things. This, the Corvettes are great, great options. Now, Tom's dad has a pickup for his hauling needs, so really, this just needs to fit two people and minimal cargo. So we're talking about truly a fun yeah, car. a fun car, car, for sure, yeah. He says Cooper sedan is okay, although his taste leans more coupe. His first answer is always no to anything he suggests, so he needs <laughs> our Todd and I suggestions to get him to branch out and find something he'll actually love. Mm, I am very curious to see where you went, because I, I, I already feeling that you and I did not go the same place. Yeah, I have be. many thoughts here, Tom, and your dad. I, this is cool. 
Well, if he's not addicted, does he really want a fun car? Well, you answered that question, and it seems like he does. Because at first, reading your email, Tom, I thought he was in love with the idea of cars. It's like you're in love with the idea of being in love. Sure. But I get the idea he truly is interested. He just quite hasn't found enough. And that could be because he hasn't driven enough cars. Possibly. So the first suggestion is to go driving, Mm -hmm. meaning go shopping, go have a father son day, go, you guys get out there and go pick some places and Mm -hmm. get some back to back seat time. You might come away not finding any of those cars, but you were together Mm -hmm. and you had a great time together and you had lunch and you talked about whatever and you had a good experience and had a good Saturday. Well, and and what's also really cool about that. I love this idea because Tom, you and your dad can have this conversation where you hop in something. And then while you're driving to the next something, you're just debriefing. What'd you like? What'd you not like? Yeah. What surprised you about that car? What what makes it completely off the list? Or what keeps it on the list? Those are great conversations. Yeah. Well, I've decided the perfect car for your dad, Tom, is the BMW Z8. Fortunately, they're not hmm. $55,000. I found the perfect car. It's also over the budget, but not that far. But yes. They're like $250,000. Yeah, yeah, that's way up there. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I thought a classic, you know, cars you don't see much. Does he have to have a muscle car? I mean, I'm coming back to the European thing because I think he can get a lot of what he wants out of the uniqueness and still V8 GT. I think I've got the perfect car, but you're all going to laugh. You're going to laugh at me. I'm excited to hear it. I can hear the laughter already. Now, a solve to sticking within your budget is a special edition of something. That forty five oh, to 55000 sure. range is yeah. not just the Corvette. It's the special edition of sure, that car. Sure, sure, uh-huh. Problem with that is you have to drive it. You can't not drive it because yeah. it's the special yeah, edition. That's, that's great. Right? That's good. Porsches are definitely high in my list, but I understand. How about we start with Alfa Romeo? Mm. It's a European brand. Quadrifolio is a delightful car. It sounds great. The Julia Quadrifolio. Julia Quadrifolio. Okay. I mean, I was really driven by sound because it's that's what I getting your dad likes that's that's on my short on my list is it yes the uh, julia quadrifolio sounds great drives great looks great you don't see very many of them yeah that's checking a lot of boxes that's interesting you went there because i went there too that was my starting place okay but then i veered off into aston martin vantage land oh wow they sound good, do they not? They, they sound, sound great. great. <laughs> and you just don't see very many. And you don't the see ones them. That they're in his budget, you just don't see very many. You're right. Well, I'll start at the top in your budget with a 2007 Coupe, six-speed manual for $68,900, only 12,000 miles at one of my favorite places, Marshall Goldman. They are the high-end world. You're above his budget, but that, that's the high, high-end. Yeah. But Auto Tempest has an 09 Vantage Convertible with 22,000 miles and a new clutch for 53.9. Whoa, That's done. in the sweet spot. Done. That's really good. And then I went really off the rails to a car I've never recommended before. Oh, good. Ever. But yeah. I found out one of my classmates designed it. Okay. Jeremy Malik. He used to work at Pininfarina, and he designed the 2014 Maserati Gran Turismo. You went there. They sound so good. They I sound ache, really good. I weep they sound really good. with emotion when I see the best, those things. The best thing about that is how it sounds. There was one on the Utah meetup that had a, a mixed experience. But we all decided if it had been maintained properly. Yeah, it was some guy's rental car they didn't take very good care of. Then clearly. they yeah. will last. And, and Tom, I can hear you laughing because you're thinking Maserati, right. <laughs> what if What if your dad likes it? Mm. It's not a car you see all the time. You're right. It you're sounds right. Yeah, yeah. amazing. Mm. And after finding out my friend Jeremy, my classmate Jeremy, designed it, 
I'm all about it. I mm. remember some of his quirkier stuff in school. And then he, like I said, he interned at Penfrina and went back to Penfrina for a few years, designed that car. I think it, it does look great. It's not really my thing. It's a little too long. Wheelbase is a little bit out of proportion. It's a little bit too big for me, but you're talking about a V8 GT car in coupe form and they've come down enough. Mm-hmm. If you find a nice one, coupe or convertible, they're just under $60,000. That's not terrible. And that's yes, interesting. Maintain yeah. it, but how often is your dad driving this car? I think that's a good question, yeah. I mean, he could be a Maserati freakazoid like me now. <laughs> could be all about the Maserati. <laughs> Who knew? And then if we really want to... Well, it's still not in your budget. Anyway, how about a 2017 Porsche 718 Boxster? 25,000 miles, just straight up Boxster. Mm, mm. 59.9, just mm. under 60 grand. They also sound really good, I think. Yep. I mean, 718, four cylinder. You did well there. I, I like the snorty rumble. He might like it. Mm-hmm. It's half a V8, but well, it's not half a V8, but half the cylinders. Never mind. <laughs> but you get a, I, I was very driven by sound Uh huh. Yeah. on this because that seems to be such a thing for your dad. Sound and uniqueness are very clear. And it's, these are all very unique. The yeah, Aston, the sure. Alpha, the Maserati is unique. For sure. It could be unique, good or bad. And certainly the Boxster is unique. I like it. I'm going to go through my recommendations in reverse order. I'm going to start at the grounded ones, and I'm going to work my way more and more nuts. And out of the budget, Tom, <laughs> you and your dad, out okay. of the budget. I fully admit. Surprise! But because I want to land on the car that I think is the full-on answer, it's just out of the budget. Okay. But I have a car that I'm just like, this is this is every single box you're talking about. Okay, go. We'll get there. Oh. I'm going to start with the stuff that's more grounded, and I'll start here with the Alpha Julia Quadrifoglio. I think that's a strong contender. I, I love agree. that you brought it up, Paul. I think it, it's not a coupe, but I think it's a really strong contender. Take a it's look at that. Cold starts are like, yeah. It shivers. It sounds so good. And it, but here's the thing. It also has real power. Your dad likes to just go straight line power. It's got a lot of power. Yeah. It's like a 560 horsepower, if I remember correctly. A lot. Really, really good uh, eight-speed gearbox that's very, very fast. And if you need it to, it also handles really well. That... That's of the reality cars. That's probably top of my list. And who cares? It's a four door. That could actually be a better thing because now it's kind of useful. More so. Maybe you drive it even more, Tom's dad, which would be really cool. I have two others based on your history and also trying to find unique with a great sound and a lot of pull. Okay. A C4 Corvette ZR1. (gasps) Yes. Now, you made a sacrifice in interior. Well, yes. But it's far less than your budget. To get a nice one, a really nice one. Nice like 35 ones. grand. They've sat for 35 years. They or, are almost all so. low miles. They had a Lotus-tuned, watch our American original film, they had a Lotus-tuned bespoke V8 for that car that sounds amazing and mm. pulls like a modern engine. That car is modern dynamics hidden in a 80s shape. It is the weirdest thing. I like that choice a lot. I mean, it does have that it's muscle weird. car feel. Totally. But it is older. You will not see so, another one. Yeah. Certainly if you drive it. Now, the interior is C4 Corvette, which is a bummer. The other one I thought of that is down here now. You won't see them. I don't, I don't remember the last time you even saw one. You won't see them. Great engine sound. Great power. The 2014-2015 era Camaro Z28. Those did a price flip, didn't they? Even those in are down today's there. dollars, they're down there. Yeah. They're like forty-five, fifty grand. You have your pick. You have a Camaro background. You sold it when you became a dad. Now it's not the nicest interior ever because that was them focusing on it being a track car. But compared to your '60s Camaros, or compared to a base Camaro, it's pretty cool interior. Yeah, I like that. Get a Z28 back in your life. You're, kind of you're thing. never yeah. gonna see another one because I feel like I never see them. You see Camaros now and then, but the Z28 from that era just it came out and made a big splash and then it vanished. 
mm. but they're out there, and that's very good. So that's my my real cars. The big point I want to make here is to Tom's point, Dad, that you're never you're, you're looking for the deal versus the right. I wonder if that's held you back from having the right car. Well, sure, because so, you have to spend more money to really get totally. what you want. So you're talking about fifty five on the high side. If I add ten grand to that, I know I'm the one blowing the budget. <laughs> but if I add ten grand to that. You have a lot of really interesting stuff all of a sudden. Yeah. That has great sound and you don't see very many. And I thought of three that are all very unique, sound amazing, are fun to drive. One is the Evora. That's good. Yeah. That, that's that honestly That's it's a the, very different recipe than it what is. he's talking about. It's the V6 Camry motor, but it's never sounded that good. Many yeah, exotics right now. Watch our Evora versus M2 CS piece. Many current exotics with crazy exotic engines struggle to sound as good as that V6 does yeah. in that Evora. So good. Evora. Okay, good. The original NSX, also an oddball, but that VTEC engine's interesting. It's a totally different sound. It's not a V8, but totally different sound. Interesting. That is not a muscle car, but it's a totally new experience, which I think you might like, and also a BMW 1M. Good. That's good. That is a definitive car. Great to drive. You won't see other ones of those. So that's if you added ten grand to your budget. But <clears throat> I went higher. Yes. I yes. went even higher because Did you really? Tom and Tom's dad, you you want unique. You want grumbly V eight. For sure. You want power in a straight line. You want Something, again, you're not going to see it very often. I get the sense that that and the sound are the two biggest things. You didn't see very many, and it sounded really cool. But you decided you really like nice interiors. You'd prefer the GT-style cars. I like your Vantage a lot. Well, I hadn't gone there for once, and the Vantage is great. But the answer right now, the answer car... Is that Mercedes AMG GT? It's the answer. That's the answer. The, it is. Based on, throwing budget out for a second. I know budget's a thing. Throwing budget out for a second. Looking at your list, it was like AMG GT. And then I got to your budget and went, oh, just shy. They start at 75 right now. That low? They start at 75. I, mean, I looked them up. Now that's 20 grand over high. your budget. It's 20 grand over your budget. There's tons of them available in the low 80s. Now I realize I'm way above the budget. I will fully admit that. But I get the sense that what you're needing is a nudge. Paul does this sometimes. I'm doing it now. <laughs> that you need a nudge to be like, what if? So mm-hmm. even if that really is out, Tom and your dad, I really encourage you, drive one of those. Because wow. I think that is, wow. the, it, it's every box check. It's just, just not in your budget. But I don't get the sense that the budget is as strict as you want it to be. It's just you're chasing the deal. Yeah. And the hunt mm-hmm. is, is just as much fun Absolutely. as getting that deal. But you still need to walk away with something you love, too. Yeah. I, I do like that a lot. So anyway, I, I think I think personally, out of everything we've listed, if I just had to tally it up real quick, I think the Aston Martin Vantage you brought up, the Alpha Julia Quadrifolio we both talked about, I yeah. think those are the front runners. But I want you to go drive a Mercedes AMG GT Ooh, and really think, good. Should, I, should I go for this? Should I spring for this? Because maybe. I mean, my takeaway here is that AMG GTs are on sale. It's really what I... <laughs> Who knew they were that what, low? Yeah. I got out of this whole conversation. Our friends at Griot's Garage have got a new line of ceramic products to make your car care easier and more satisfying than ever. Start with the new ceramic wash and coat, an ultra-slick formula that can be used with either the bucket wash method, which I like, or a foaming sprayer, which I also like, or a cannon, which I also like. We actually take... Griot's Speed Shine with us on every single shoot. It's the ultimate for quick detailing, and it now has ceramic protection as well. 
Ceramic Speed Shine maintains a slippery gloss finish in between your main washing and protection days. And they even have ceramic trim wipes for long-lasting protection on plastic trim. Try any of these products or use them as your new wash routine. They are 100% guaranteed and all their liquid products are made in the USA. Don't forget to use the code EDRIVER when you order at griotsgarage.com. Our audience gets 15% off liquids and 10% off everything else. That's G-R-I-O-T-S. Enjoy the finest quality car care products you can buy at griotsgarage.com. Revs up on Instagram says, What skill or mindset or attitude, mm. or you name it, would we require all new drivers to be required to have before they pass their license test? Interesting. What are you, where are you going with this? It's something that... Can't be. It can be discussed during testing, but it can't be policed, and you can't force somebody to do it. And that is not look at their phone while driving. Teach mm. somebody and say, "Promise, okay, I promise, I'll never look at my phone while driving." You still will. <laughs> you still are going <laughs> we, to. We, we've all done it. To. Yeah, yeah. That frustrates me more than anything because I can tell when somebody looks mm. down at their phone. I see a car and driving, and the instant they look at their phone, I can. I'm almost. I'm like ninety percent there and yeah. calling it. Yeah, and I finally get past him. Like, sure enough, darn yep. it. Yep, you're right. Stop it. You're, you're right. The attitude of the car, your speed, your your general awareness has just plummeted, and I can see it in your driving. I can almost mm. tell mm. where their eyes went. Just like we talk about when you get instruction, your pro driver, your instructor will always talk about where your eyes are at on the track. That is the biggest thing. Mm-hmm. Where your eyes are at, your hands will follow. Mm-hmm. You know what the front of the, what's in front of your car. You can see that in your peripheral vision. You already know what's there. Where your eyes are. So the instructors always say, look up the track. Where are your eyes? Yeah. Where yeah. your eyes are, that's where your car is going to go. Every time I'm doing a bad job driving on track, it's because of my eyes. It's never and then you remind yourself anything else. Suddenly you're driving smooths out. When, suddenly yes. you're faster. Every yes. single time. And I have to like, it, it's like a cadence in my head when I drive on track. It's like eyes up, look around the corner. I, where, where am I looking? Where are my eyes? Eyes, eyes. Because it's, it's hysterical. Watch our recent Rally Ready piece that's on our original YouTube channel. Yeah. And watch oh, how yes. much, because we, we, we're being taught to drive differently because it's rally, it's dirt, and you're, and you're turning with the brake, which is a weird sentence, but it works in rally. <laughs> Seriously, it's what happens. You're turning with the brake. It's like, you know, leave the steering wheel, hit the brake. It's what's going on. It's weird stuff. It's so funny. But, but it's amazing to watch how when Paul and I start looking further and further down the course, we get better. Yeah. The skill hasn't changed. We're not doing anything different with the body. Eyes are so important. I suppose, Revs Up, you could translate eyes to street driving. I mean, I know you can. Of course, yeah. And teach people to always, you know, when you're going through a curve on a freeway, you want to be looking, trying to look around that corner way up there. You know what's in front of you. You know what traffic's next to you. Get your eyes up there. And people just aren't used to doing that. Now imagine when people look down and their eyes are focused on a foot and a half in front of their face. Yes. What happens to your driving? Totally. If our eyes, we get better when we look way up the track. Imagine a foot and a half in front of your face. It just <laughs> drives me up a wall. Because you can, teach, oh, you can teach the interactions with the pedals because at that point, once you've passed your license test, I think you're only steering. You're operating mm, the car and you're just steering mm. around the globe. You're steering around the town. But driving, the driving mindset is a different level. That's why track driving does translate to street driving. I'm so passionate about this. You know... I hadn't thought of this when we first started this question, but now something's just dawned on me. I think there should be an autocross threshold. There should be a standardized autocross that is set up in the parking lot of every DMV. Hmm. 
And unless and, and, and it, look, it's, it needs to be a broad, low bar that most people can get across. But unless you can get through the autocross in a certain time, you can't pass. Because the thing that I find so fascinating about autocross. It's hard to cheat at autocross. You're yes. either across the line or you're not. You exactly. can do the course and, without. And, and please don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying let's get a pro driver in there and set a benchmark time. I'm not saying that. Let's set a time that the vast majority of people are going to cross. But the thing that. If they're auto- doing it right, exactly. if they're listening to but instruction. The thing that autocross does that I have noticed anytime I've ever seen anybody do autocross for the first time is you were suddenly awakened to how capable your car is. And in yeah. many cases, it's the first time anybody has felt the edges of the car they're going to drive. I would like yeah. a new driver to feel what it's like when mom's minivan is careening with this tire screeching. I, you need to know that now. That's true. Not later. That's true. I don't want you to discover the edges of your car and how well it breaks when there's an accident about to happen. You need to have had that sensation prior because we as humans, new sensations we back away from. We, we don't – wow, that, that feels weird. Yeah. So what if yeah. there was an autocross component – again, I'm not saying for super times, but an autocross component to feel huge body weight shifts, to feel emergency braking in a, in a training situation so that the first time you felt those sensations isn't it's about to all go wrong. I mean, I don't know what your, Todd, driving experience was like when you were taking drivers ahead. Poor. But mine did not involve weather of any kind. Mm. Or discussion about tires. No, no. When bad weather came up, the instructor asks you what you do, and you pretty much just say, turn on your wipers. <laughs> but no interaction. We d- I drove in perfectly clear, fine weather. It was mm-hmm. probably 60 degrees. Drove from Fort Collins to Estes Park, and I got checked off, and that was that. And it mm-hmm. was, you know, fairly mountain tight mountain road but i just kind of slowed down i didn't know about cornering or apexing a lot or more than i did i anything. was driving in houston it's like drive around these three blocks let's call it a day but weather was not involved and mm-hmm. so the first time a new driver encounters weather guess how much instruction they've had mm. zero mm. none that's an interesting point so everybody too. immediately slows down way too you know you break way too soon because you don't know what the edges of your car yeah. feel like yeah and then when you do, then you feel, oh, I'm getting close to the edge. I need to back it off at speed or cornering or whatever. There's no mm-hmm. feeling there. Now, I say that with caveats because that was my experience. Sure. That was sure. your experience. Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. know how driver's ed has progressed these days. Maybe they don't. I still see driver's ed. Just, cars are just creeping around. They're usually outbacks. Yep. <laughs> and they're just cruising around slowly. And okay, great. But, you know, there needs to be that extra step. And feeling that i think is the requirement that's where we're coming away with res up is Mm -hmm. a feeling of what a car is like here's a car on the edge right about to lose control because we've all ridden in cars we know what they feel like when they're in control yeah yeah and and look not because i want to encourage people to be out of control you better do it better do it in a controlled environment exactly because if something goes wrong now you're discovering that for the first time that sounds terrifying yeah Anyway, yeah. Ryan Stamp on Facebook said, after the Cars of the Past series is com- complete, so your 928 and my 300 ZX, will either of us be willing to try an auction site like Bring a Trailer or Cars and Bids to sell either car? I am seriously considering it. I'm seriously really? considering auctioning off my car, maybe putting it on Cars and Bids. I am simultaneously intrigued and horrified at the prospect. But let's get through Cars of the Past first. <laughs> let's have some amazing adventures. That seems like stress. We're, we're, head, we're headed to Philly. In, yeah. in the middle yeah. of May, we're very excited about it. Cross-country drive, a huge, huge piece coming. We're very excited about that. Lots of shooting coming up, so we'll see. See Justin on Twitter. This is a good one. It's almost a topic Tuesday, but I think I can do it. All right, go. Dream garage, one electric vehicle, one internal combustion vehicle. 
He gives us up to $100,000 for the EV and $100,000 for the internal combustion vehicle. What two cars are we putting in our garage? Oh, Ooh, did you have it? I think I have my answer. Okay, go. For the EV, I'm not even going to spend it all. I'll get a Mustang Mach-E. Okay. It's a, it's a SUV. It's a very usable shape. It's an SUV. It has decent dynamics. It's a worthwhile, usable electric car. Now, I say that because I'm thinking about stuff that we have driven that's available this minute. There will be stuff coming right. that I would certainly swap that out for. Right. But as of right now, that gets my wife the SUV shape. It gets it all done. And then for the $100,000 electric internal combustion car, I would like a new Amira, please. Delicious. That is a pretty good two-car garage Ooh. right there. Pretty happy about that. Can I spend less on one car and combine the hundred thousand? <laughs> I remaining knew where you were from... going. I knew you were going to. It's I was new. tempted to as well. It's new you're you're going to buy a Bolt for fifteen dollars, aren't you? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and then I can have a Cayman GT4 RS there for you go. my internal combustion engine. Ted Theologan, party on Ted, says auto rev matching on manual downshifts. How do we feel about this feature? You know, I actually really like it. It just needs to be something you can easily turn off. I don't have a problem with it. it Fully it's, off. It's fantastic technology. And if you've ever driven an auto rev match car on a track, it's interesting. If you're, if you're trying to drive really fast on track, manual does slow you down. It's awesome, but it does slow you down. All the guys with the dual clutch gearboxes are all faster than you because they've got dual clutches. The auto rev match is the bridge part of that. Mm-hmm. But I actually really like to drive and, and heel toe downshift, and I like to try to get better at it. I feel like I'm never good enough. Mm-hmm. And I like to do that on the street. So the ability to turn it off completely is awesome. But the fact that the feature exists, I think that's actually really cool. RJMSF on Instagram says, thanks for keeping him company these last few years. We're thrilled that you're listening, and thanks for being along with yeah, us. Yeah, I noticed this too. says, two technologies that he never hears us mention for freeway or commuter cars. Number one, adaptive cruise control, which he finds to be a game changer from a fatigue and safety perspective. And number two is diesel, diesel engines, which means he's getting 45 miles to the gallon without trying. He's saving fuel money, gas money for the weekend fun car. What are the reasons, any reason, we tend not to recommend these two? I think the first one is a difference of opinion. I have found adaptive cruise control to be the most annoying feature ever. You and I both don't like it. I can't stand it because now I see where you're coming from, RJ, and that is from fatigue and safety. But if you're fatigued, so fatigued, you shouldn't be driving. Pull over, rest. I'm now going the speed based on the driver ahead of me, which means they're choosing for me. True. I don't want them to choose for me. True. I want to do my speed, what I feel comfortable with, because many times I'm comfortable going faster. But let's put that aside. I don't want them to be controlling my car. The only time I've liked adaptive cruise control, and maybe, RJ, you're bringing this up, the only time I like it is stop and go. Then it's actually kind of cool. Then you can actually kind of relax because there's no, there's no reason anybody in any other lane is going faster. We're going walking pace. I don't mind it then. But the problem that you and I encounter is what I would describe as almost traffic. It's everybody's moving in that kind of 50 to 70 range. Everybody right. is. And there's enough right. cars that it's like a checkerboard of there's cars here and there. And adaptive cruise control then is the most annoying thing. Yeah. Because yeah. somebody's poor choice movement has now got you going 10 miles. Why am I going 10 miles? Oh, that's right. Because well, the cruise yeah. control is set. Well, you'll also feel it when you change lanes and suddenly the sensors see nothing but clear air ahead of you. Mm-hmm. And it puts the hammer down all of a sudden. <laughs> it's ready to it go. It doesn't gradually yeah. speed up. It tries to get back up to the 10 miles an hour it was missing. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And boom, you're gone. It's like, whoa, I, I, 
I can do this. I'm not the driver you need to worry <laughs> I'll, I'll, about. I'll be okay. I'll be good here. Second one is diesel. To be honest, diesel is great. It does get great gas mileage, but that's not how I look at diesel engines. I look at them for torque and mm. in pickup trucks for towing your house off its foundation, for you know doing the things you need a lot of truck pulling to do. That's how I've always put diesels in my mind. Sure. Not necessarily for fuel economy. But the thing is, yeah, you're getting good fuel mileage, but there's a lot of gasoline engine cars out there, and electric is certainly up and coming as far as a choice. Well, hybrids are a good hybrids are a good one too. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Open Mike Knight suggests by his question that you are seriously hoping you can have a GR Corolla as your dad car, because <laughs> your question is, we've driven the updated Corolla. Does it have sufficient interior space and cargo space for rear-facing child seat stroller and associated support gear? <laughs> You sell re- it to him. Sell it to him. You really, really want a GR Corolla, don't you, sir? I could tell. Uh, yes. The short answer is yes. Now, I don't know how big you and your family are because obviously we're six foot three in trees and we fit in very few things. But the Corolla actually has good back seat space. The hatch, it's been a long time since we drove the hatch. But the hatch, we were genuinely impressed with. It's got good cargo space as well. I think that is a really high contender for worthwhile dad car, even if you don't get the GR version. The, the, mm-hmm. the current Corolla with a six-speed, watch our original piece on it on the Test Drive channel. It's surprisingly good, which is why we made jokes about this should be a 300-horsepower rally monster because it was good in base form. I think it's a really good dad option. Bob McCormick on Facebook says, what car that isn't being built today would we love to see? Like, who wouldn't love to see an entry-level Porsche sports car? Of course, something that starts about $35,000. Well, if you think about it, Bob, we're definitely in a golden era of fun cars. Yeah, Nissan's bringing the Z back. The Supra exists, maybe with a manual. The GR86, the prior 86. We've got all the N-line from Hyundai. Yep. There, there are options. Civic Type R, talk about Civic a great dad car. R, yes. Yeah, and then there's a new one coming. The current, the updated Civic Si is awesome. It's excellent. I think, speaking of Honda, I'd like them to bring a true focused sports car back to the Where's market. Where's their S2000 return? Where is yeah, that? Because yeah, yeah. we've got the Z4 in the market. We've got mm. all these two-door, long-hood sports cars, real sports cars. That's a good one. The Mustang and the Camaro have never been better. The Corvette is amazing. Yeah. How about Honda with this? And we just dropped a $35,000, maybe forty grand, fun sports car with mm. Honda, VTEC, everything. And it looks great. And it's Honda build quality. And they'd be back. That'd be really cool. Instantly. I love that. I'll leave it there. That's awesome. Guys, thank you so much for all your questions. We really appreciate it. Love discussing all this stuff. And let us know if you've got Topic Tuesdays, Car Debates, Car Conclusions as well. We're always looking forward to next time. Cheers, everyone.